You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network, brought to you by Pro Prep for the month of December. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be reacting to Arsenal's 5-1 victory over Sunderland in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal. The Gunners have booked their place in the last four of the competition with an emphatic victory in the end over Sunderland at Emirates Stadium. Uh, it was a game that I always felt that we would win. It was a game that I think we went into with a lot of confidence as a fan base. Look, Sunderland, as big a club as they are, they are currently in League One. The standard, the golfing quality between the two sides is huge. We knew that Arsenal were going to make wholesale changes and we knew that that would, to some degree, level the playing field. Sometimes when you make a lot of changes, it can disrupt the fluency of the team. And I think we saw a little bit of that at various periods in the game. But it was a wonderful opportunity for some of the players that have been on the fringes, for some of the players whose opportunities have been incredibly limited this season to get game time and to go out there and, uh, and, and you know, put themselves in the manager's eye line. I know they're always on the training ground. They're always showing him what they can do. But people like Nicolas Pepe, Eddie Nketiah, who will be crying out for more game time, got an opportunity tonight to show what they can do. And I think both of those two in particular took those opportunities. We'll start off by talking about the lineup. We'll start off by discussing some of the game's key incidents, and then we'll talk about some individual performances, as always. If you want to hear my um, my player ratings following this fixture, I've just uploaded them to YouTube in the form of a YouTube short. So you'll be able to find that right here on the channel. That's what we're going to be doing now, player ratings moving forward in the format of a YouTube short. So uh, without further ado, let's get into this game. Let's get into this fixture. And let's start off by talking about Mikel Arteta's lineup. Now he made eight changes from the team that went and comprehensively beat Leeds United at Ellen Road on the weekend. He uh, left Ben White in the side, which I think a lot of us thought might be the case once we heard that Callum Chambers was unavailable. Um, you know, it was either going to be Ben White or Gabriel. He went with Ben White in the end and he took him off with around about 20 minutes to go, giving Gabriel some minutes, but also protecting some of White's. Uh, in midfield, Martin Odegaard played. Um, I think we all thought that Emil Smith-Rowe would probably play, given that he's been a substitute in recent weeks. But I didn't expect Martin Odegaard to start the game as well. So, that was a slight difference in what I thought might be the case and what was actually the case. Of course, young Charlie Patino was on the substitutes bench and we'll come on to talk about his role in a little bit. Um, you can tell I've got a big smile on my face when I'm talking about Charlie Patino. So we'll, we'll come on to that in a little bit more detail. But he named a really, really strong bench, Mikel Arteta. And I think that was for the best. You know, I think that in the past under Arsene Wenger at times, we used to look at these tournaments and these competitions and we used to say, well, we know you're going to play your second string, Arsene, but at the very least, keep some of your big guns back on the substitutes bench. It can't be that taxing, that tiring for some of those professionals uh, to just be substitutes. So we wanted to see that happen um, and we wanted 
you know, to be able to call upon those players where needed. And although we didn't have to make dramatic changes tonight to to ensure that we got over the line, there was one change in particular, which I'm going to come on and talk about, that I think really steadied us and really allowed us to accelerate away from Sunderland, who at times had shown glimpses that they were, you know, a decent outfit and a team that could potentially cause us some problems. So we started the game off, I thought, quite comfortably without really creating an awful lot. And Eddie Nketiah broke the deadlock when uh, the ball fell kindly to him after Rob Holding's header was saved by the Sunderland goalkeeper. And Nketiah showing his killer instinct inside the penalty area, again, turning the ball in with the top of his knee, his thigh, whatever you want to call it. But he had to be there. And Eddie Nketiah is someone who loves and thrives off of balls kind of dropping loose in that kind of area of the pitch. He's always on hand. He's always one of the sharpest and quickest to react. And he got the goal. And listen, we talked a lot about Eddie Nketiah. And I've just heard Paul Merson on Sky Sports talking about how not everywhere is like the Arsenal and that Eddie Nketiah shouldn't be in a rush to leave. And listen, I'm not if we don't sign Eddie Nketiah down to a new contract, I'm not going to sit and go as far as saying that I will lose sleep over it or that I'd be massively upset about it. Because at times I've looked at him and felt like, yeah, this guy's got a potential and this guy's got something to offer to this football club. But at other times I've thought that he's nowhere near the level. I'm not sure that his overall game is good enough. I think he works really hard. I think he's very um, sort of... He shows all the right attitudes by kind of the way he presses people, the way he harries people. He's a willing runner in the channels in behind, quite happy to drop that little bit deeper if necessary as well. But he feels to me like a box player. And I feel like in this current Arsenal system, when we play against stronger opposition, we need somebody who can be a little bit more interchangeable, a little bit more flexible, who will link up and bring other people into the game a little bit more frequently. So it's not to knock Eddie Nketiah on the night that he scored a hat-trick. Why would I? It's just when you look at the overall situation around him with regards to that contract, if he wants to go, you know, he can go. It's, you know, it's it's his decision at the end of the day. The club have made their intentions clear. They've offered him a new deal and he's obviously chosen not to take that up at this point. So I think the club have done their bit. I don't think the club should be held to ransom by Eddie Nketiah because he scored a few goals in a Carabao Cup game against the League One side. But it was a reminder tonight that although he's been on the peripheries for a while and he's not had an awful lot of game time this season, he is somebody who, when provided with the right service, can contribute um, and can score goals. I just, I still, my opinion on Eddie Nketiah tonight hasn't dramatically changed is the point I'm trying to make. I still don't think that he is Arsenal level. I still don't think that you can trust or rely on him to lead the line for the Gunners going into bigger games against stronger opposition. Although credit where it's due, he performed well tonight and he took his chances brilliantly. So Eddie Nketiah opens the scoring. Nicolas Pepe gets the second. And I thought Nicolas Pepe's first half was a little bit hit and miss. He um, he gave the ball away on a few occasions sloppily. He was berated by Ben White at one point for a lack of a defensive contribution during one of the Sunderland attacks. And I was sitting there thinking, this is the really frustrating side of Nicolas Pepe. Gets the ball, jinks in and out of a couple of defenders, looks brilliant and then can give the ball away in an innocuous situation and sometimes doesn't put the work in defensively. But to his credit, he really picked that up in the second half. And we'll come on to talk about that in a bit more detail. 
But he got the second goal. He did really well to bring the ball under control, combined brilliantly with Cedric down the right-hand side, who I thought offered quite a bit going forward tonight. Maybe not defensively, uh, wasn't really challenged too much defensively, maybe looked a bit shaky when he was. But I think as a, an attacking entity, I think Cedric gives you something. He's got a good delivery on him and he seems to combine very well with Pepe. If you think back to some of his best games um, in an Arsenal shirt, they've been on the same flank as Pepe. There was one game in particular that comes into my mind. Um, I'm trying to think who it was against. Well, we played away from home and Cedric played at left back and Pepe played on the left wing. Was it Wolves away, perhaps? I know we ended up losing that game, but in the first half, we were really good. I wonder if it was that one or was it a European tie? I think it might have been a European tie where they combined as well. But I, I just, Cedric and Pepe works. Um, it really, really does. And that's not to say that you should play Cedric so that you can get the best out of Pepe. But it is a combination that seems to work quite well. And Pepe got the second goal, deflected effort in the end, but it found its way into the back of the net. And I talked about it at the time during the watch along. This is a guy who probably needs a bit of confidence, probably needs to feel, um, you know, the love of the fans and the love of the kind of teammates around him who, you know, maybe are a little bit disappointed and maybe look at him and feel like he's so talented and we're not really seeing that week in, week out. It can be frustrating, like even as a teammate. I've played with players who I looked at and thought, naturally, you are so bloody gifted, but you just can't be bothered or you're not applying yourself enough. You're not living and breathing it. And if you do, maybe uh, you'll be able to fulfill that potential. So I think with someone like Nicolas Pepe, confidence is key. I've said that time and time again. And I think in the second half, that confidence was on show. Um, we got the second goal, as I say, through Pepe. And then we had a rocky period between that second goal going in and the end of the first period, I thought Arsenal were all over the place. We lost all of our shape. We couldn't retain possession. Sunderland got braver and braver, grew into the game, showed a lot of um, quality in possession. I thought Pritchard in particular was a really, really good uh, performer for them. Um, and then they played the ball in behind and managed to get themselves uh, a goal. It was uh, Nathan Broadhead who got the goal, had to go off injured, unfortunately, for them. But... He, for me, um, took that goal excellently. I saw some people in the watch-along uh, live chat talking about the fact that maybe if Aaron Ramsdale was in goal, he's sharper, he's quicker off his line, and the striker doesn't get there. But having watched it back multiple times during the halftime break, I think it's incredibly harsh to pin that on Bern Leno. That is his starting position naturally as high as that of, of Aaron Ramsdale? No, but I don't think you can hold him accountable for that. It's a really well-weighted pass in behind Ben White, and there was the striker to to provide a smart finish. Dinked it over the top of the onrushing Leno and puts it in the back of the net. And at that point, you're thinking, my God, we can't cock this up, can we? But we went in at the break, and, and I'm not going to lie, there was a small part of me that felt like all the changes, all the kind of disruption to the team that's been performing recently, and the fact that we just seemed a little bit disjointed, and that Sunderland were growing in confidence. I was a little bit concerned, I'm not going to lie. And we started the second half by, uh, you know, knuckling down a bit more. Uh, we obviously got that third goal again through Eddie and Ketia. Some really good work down the left-hand side uh, from Nuno Tavares, uh, which saw him pick out Enketia at the near post just four or five minutes after the halftime break. And that really settled the nerves for Arsenal. And from that point on, there was only really one winner. Um, he then got 
a third goal, Eddie Nketiah on the 58th minute. Wonderful piece of play from Nicolas Pepe on that right-hand side. It was Denver Hume who was tasked with dealing with the Ivorian in the second period, and he had a torrid time. He really did. Nicolas Pepe, um, you know, making him look silly, rolling the ball through his legs, beating his man and cutting it back for Nketiah, who produced a delightful finish in towards the far corner. And that was Eddie Nketiah's hat-trick, um, Arsenal's fourth goal. And from then on, you know, the team were just really flowing in confidence. And Nicolas Pepe, the minute he produced something special like that, you could just see it. Every time he got the ball, he looked super confident. He looked like he was never going to lose it. He looked like he was always going to beat the man that was closest to him. He was just brilliant. Um, and he was oozing in class off of the back of that. Also, it's gone under the radar a little bit, but he played a massive role in um in the second goal, uh, the third goal, sorry, as well. Because prior to Odegaard switching the play out to the left-hand side, there's a wonderful moment where the ball's played into Nicolas Pepe, brings the ball under control. It's got a couple of defenders in and around him. They're trying to crunch him. They're trying to prevent him turning. And he manages to wriggle free of the pair of them and set that attack off. So again, Nicolas Pepe playing a massive, massive part. And he played a massive part for young Charlie Patino's goal as well, which again, um, you know, is key. You know, Charlie Patino, young lad. I'm delighted for him making his Arsenal debut and getting a goal like that. What I will say, Charlie, you probably need to work on that knee slide uh, uh, celebration. That's the celebration of a man who hasn't scored many goals at the highest level um, previously. But yeah, he needs to work on that a little bit because he looked like he was going to crack his knee. It was just such an awkward knee slide. Uh, but obviously delighted to see him get on the score sheet, get some minutes, make his debut and, of course, contribute in the way he did. Um, touched on, on Eddie Nketiah, touched on Nicolas Pepe, who I thought was really good tonight for the most part. A little bit frustrating in the first half, but in the second half came into his own. I wanted to talk about the introduction of Granite Xhaka. Um, a lot of people give me stick in the chat, in on social media for my kind of thoughts on Granit Xhaka. I've always really supported him and backed him when maybe others haven't, not because I think he's the greatest player in the world, but because I think he has a real importance in this side and he plays a very specific role. And I thought actually prior to his introduction, we were struggling to control the midfield. We'd been playing with this kind of, it looked like a 4-1-4-1 prior to his introduction. It felt like Mohamed Elneny was just getting overrun a little bit. Neither Odegaard or Emil Smith-Rowe, who were playing slightly ahead of him, are naturally defensive-minded, are naturally inclined to tuck in alongside him. So to bring in Granit Xhaka at that point and take off following Balogun, who we'll talk about in a minute, um, I think added some stability to the midfield and added some structure uh, to the team, which then provided the platform from some of those more attack-minded players to then go out and play their game. Whereas prior to that, we'd never really controlled the game or dominated the game enough in those kind of areas to give them um, to give them that kind of, um, that freedom, you know, we were at times overrun by a really hardworking and, um, industrious Sunderland side and Xhaka's introduction just calmed things and settled things down and gave us, as I say, that control in the middle of the park, which then led to us being able to flourish in the attacking third. So good change that one from Mikel Arteta, um, following Balogun. Let's talk a little bit about following Balogun because, we was looking at tonight as a real opportunity for him to come into the side and make a mark. And I think when you're talking about players who 
make that transition from the reserves into the first team. These are the kind of fixtures where at some point they have to be impacting. You think about Gabriel Martinelli's route into the first team. He was impacting in these kind of games, especially even under Unai Emery, you know, impacting in the Carabao Cup, impacting in the Europa League against weak opposition. I think so many players have kind of taken that route. It's been the first glimpse or or kind of signs that we see as fans that they're ready potentially to move up. And so I was expecting a lot from Balogun tonight because constantly people talk to me about how good he is, how talented he is, how well he's doing in the under 23s. I'm always reluctant to get carried away with under 23 stats. You're going from playing with kids to men. That's the reality. And uh, so I thought that I always felt that the transition would be more difficult than maybe some did. I wanted to see him play at centre forward tonight, though, because he is a centre forward. And where I've got a bit of sympathy for him is that he was thrust in on the left hand side. And maybe or perhaps going into the game, I assumed that Enketia would be the one who played from the left. Why? Because he's played from the left as a substitute uh, in the Premier League recently when he's been involved. So I wondered if that was going to be the case. I wondered if Enketia would operate from the left-hand side with Balogun through the middle. And actually, it was the other way around. And I thought that Balogun really struggled. Talked about an imbalance in the side in the early stages. And I talked about us not being able to really control things in midfield. I'm not saying that Balogun from the left meant that we couldn't control things in the midfield, but he certainly impacted and disrupted the balance. Not because he's a shit player, not because I don't like him, but just because it's not his position. And Arteta, look, made the decision to play Enketia through the middle. And you can't really argue with that decision when you take into consideration Enketia scored a hat-trick. But I don't think it did Balogun any favours. But even still, I expected greater quality when in possession. I expected him to make runs into those central areas when the ball was on the right with Pepe and Cedric. The way that Gabriel Martinelli's been doing recently in the Premier League. And he didn't really do that. So little bit of an underwhelming performance from him, although, you know, there is that big kind of point that you cannot miss and avoid and ignore, which is that he played out of position. Uh, moving on, I wanted to give some credit to Sunderland because I thought for a period in the game, they, they made it really difficult and they produced uh, a really decent performance. Ultimately, this is a side that is in League One, right? There's a massive gulf in class between Arsenal uh, in the top four of the Premier League and and League One, where Sunderland are. But I thought they did quite well to level the playing field. It will teach their manager, Lee Johnson, to make snidey remarks, whether he was joking or not, about the Arsenal, because we absolutely thumped them. So I hope you enjoy that, mate. Uh, but yeah, look, good performance in the end. I think there were moments where it was difficult. But as I say, I think that was always going to be the case when you make wholesale changes. And to change nine of your starting 11 is... Um, is is quite drastic. It's risky in a quarterfinal. Would Mikel Arteta have done that had we drawn Liverpool, Leicester, Brentford, whatever, West Ham? Maybe not. Um, but he obviously felt that this team had enough to get us over the line and he felt like it was an opportunity to give some of those players some valuable minutes. And look, when Nicolas Pepe performs like that, he is now knocking on the door for a place in the Premier League team. When Enketia uh, produces a hat-trick, he is now knocking on the door as, you know, Lacazette's replacement, for example, if he blows out after 60 minutes, like he quite often does. So what you've got here is you've got players being given and an afforded an opportunity, players who have taken that opportunity, albeit against weaker opponents. And while you shouldn't allow that to get you carried away, 
you should certainly take it into consideration. And confidence is such a big thing in football. It's often really uh, overlooked and undervalued, in my opinion. And I think that you can see the difference between somebody like Nicolas Pepe when the confidence is flowing through his veins in comparison to when he's playing poorly and when he's been on the peripheries and when things haven't quite clicked for him. So sometimes players need to play their way into form. I certainly think that's the case with Pepe and I certainly think that's the case with others uh, who are in and around the setup at the moment. But overall, a really positive night. As I say, Charlie Patino. I mean, what a moment that must have been for him. Not only coming off the bench to make your Arsenal debut, but to get a goal put on the plate for you like that by Nicolas Pepe and then having the class to steer it in um, into the back of the net. It must have been great. Um, so, yeah, wonderful stuff. And um, Arsenal are in the last four. And we'll find out, I think, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, or tonight, if you're listening via the audio platforms, who will be facing in that last four. Now, there is talk that the semi-finals could be switched to uh, one-legged affairs. Of course, uh, normally they're two legs in the Carabao Cup. That was changed last season because of the impacts of the global pandemic. But uh, the plan was that it was going to be two legs again this time around. I don't know if that will change based on the postponements and the current situation involving the Premier League off the back of the ongoing health crisis. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But yeah, you've got to fancy our chances of, of getting to the final, especially if we get a decent draw in the next round. But, you know, the, the next question will be, will Mikel Arteta change the team so drastically if we face one of the Premier League big boys? Maybe not. Um, and once you get to a semi-final stage, I don't think you can piss around with it anymore. I think you get Sunderland, League One side, as I've mentioned, you probably feel you can get over the line. And that decision was justified this evening. Um it was a good run out for a number of players, as I've mentioned, but I think we're going to have to really up the level uh, if we're going to you know, succeed in this competition, get to the final at Wembley and potentially bring home a second bit of silverware under Mikel Arteta's own, uh, nearly said ownership, under Mikel Arteta's stewardship. So let's see. Um, but yeah, look, overall, strong performance, had that rocky period, but it is what it is. Uh, and we move forward. Let's get a few of your questions in the chat box. Uh, pop in uh, some questions and I'll take a couple of those uh, between now and the end of the stream. I uh, just want to remind those of you watching or listening to the podcast that this show is currently sponsored by our good friends over at ProPrep. ProPrep is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, tech, engineering or maths related modules. It can half your study time. They provide bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course that you're studying, which can be accessed from any device at any time. And it's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the pro prep professors and receive video answers back within 24 hours. They've created a special offer just for our listeners. And all you need to do is go over to the website proprep.uk slash info slash football. The link is in the description below and you can sign up to a free trial without inputting any credit card information. That's P-R-O-P-R-E-P, -P -R -E -P, Pro Prep, the ultimate study tool. And we thank them for their kind sponsorship. Check it out. Uh, we've got a Sunderland fan in the chat. Hello. Welcome. Uh, Harley Nixon says, I'm a Sunderland fan. I reckon we played good. I expect the Arsenal to win by more than three goals, but our fans are class. Yeah. Like, fair play to you guys for 
traveling down to London in such huge numbers midweek um, on a Tuesday night, and especially given everything that's going on at the moment, so close to Christmas as well. Uh, that's obviously a thing. Uh, so yeah, look, um, you know, fair play to you guys. And, and as I say, I thought in the first half, you gave a really good account of yourselves. I think the quality just shone through in the end. Maybe it was tired legs. I don't know. Uh, but you know, it was always going to be a tall order to ask with all due respect, the league one side to come to an Emirates stadium. That's become a bit of a fortress recently for the Gunners and, uh, and get something. So, uh, yeah. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, let's take some of your thoughts, some of your questions while I'm waiting for some more questions to come in, uh, please do hit that like button. It really, really does help us. Uh, I know I go on about it in an awful lot, but there's nearly 300 of you watching us right now. So there's no excuse why we can't have at least 150 likes on the board. We're halfway there on 75 at the moment. So while I'm taking some of your questions, please do. Um, yeah, hit that like button. Uh, someone's laughing at my fortress um, comment. When was the last time we lost there? Answer the question. We move on. Uh, Avic says, uh, are Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Chambers both out with COVID? No. Um, from what we were told, I think Chambers is out with COVID, but Ainsley Maitland-Niles is ill, although the club moved to specify that it's not COVID related. So I don't think that's the case. No. Uh, let's see uh, what else we've got. So Chambers, I think, has COVID from what I've read, just scrolling through social media. Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is out uh, with illness, apparently. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Meshak says, uh, should Pepe start our next game? Well, that would involve dropping one of Martinelli or Saka from the wide positions. And I don't think you can do that. All Nicolas Pepe can keep doing is when the opportunities come, take them. Uh, but I'd certainly feel a lot better about putting Nicolas Pepe in if we had to. And he might get some game time over the festive period if all the games go ahead. Because we play within 48 hours. We've got two games. You know, we play on the 26th and we play on the 28th. So there's a good chance that he will be called upon. Maybe not from, from the start, but he'll be called upon at some point. And the confidence is back and he's looking really good and really sharp. So I enjoyed his performance. And I won't be completely against it. I just don't think he'll drop Saka and Martinelli, who were both so good at the weekend and have been for a few weeks now. Uh, to socks.com. Oh, dodgy name, I think. <laughs> says that, would you consider a Carabao Cup win a success this season? Only if the league position is respectable as well. If we finish in the top six and win the Carabao Cup, it'd be a good season. But you gotta you got to do that, right? You can't just win the Carabao Cup and finish mid-table again. It's not acceptable. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, replying to my comment about the fortress, uh, thing, Gunner Kid 92 says Liverpool's home record is when we can call yourself a fortress, not because we beat Sunderland. Um, I'm not calling it that because we beat Sunderland. I'm saying that we we're on a good run at home, um, which we are. And, uh, if you look at Liverpool's home record last season, my friend, I think you'll find that Anfield hasn't been the fortress that you think it's been in the last couple of seasons. So, uh, uh, have a look. Uh, Chris Carrick says, any update on Tomiyasu? I've not heard an update, to be honest. Um, no, I don't know what the situation is with uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu. So um, the fact that he wasn't involved tonight is obviously a little bit worrying. But on the other hand, even if he was kind of fit again, would you have risked him 
in a game like this, I wouldn't have. Uh, so I wonder if it's he's been left out with a view to him being included on Boxing Day or if he's been left out because he wasn't fit enough. That is um, that is the question. But I guess we'll probably hear from Mikel Arteta at some point this week ahead of the trip to Norwich uh, with regards to his fitness. Uh, what else have I got? Let's take a couple more uh, of your thoughts. Uh, on side says, Harry, have you got a cold or COVID? I've got a cold. Um, I've been testing every single day um, because, as I say, I don't want to miss Christmas again. Um, and uh, obviously was was needing to go into work today as well. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't taking anything. Because not only do I not want to spoil my Christmas, the last thing I want to do is spoil somebody else's as well. Um, so, yeah, been testing uh, constantly over the last few days. And, and negative is uh, had a proper test as well, one of those PCR ones just to make sure that the lateral flow wasn't giving me a false reading. And uh, all good. Thank you. But I do have a cold. Hopefully it passes in the next couple of days. Diogene uh, says, uh, is Eddie Nketiah a long-term replacement for Lacazette as number nine? I don't think so, mate. Uh, touched on it a little bit earlier on in the podcast. I still think that his game needs a lot of development in certain areas, in other areas. I don't think he's anywhere good as good as Lacazette in terms of his link-up play, for example. I think he really comes alive inside the 18-yard box. But you don't get a lot outside of that from Nketiah. You get hard work, you get running, but I don't think he brings a lot of quality outside of the box. And you would argue that a number nine's job is to impact the game from inside the box, but I think that the way we play at the moment, we need a bit more than that. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, man. Um, let's get rid of this geezer from the comments because he's just trolling and being a bit of a dick. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, <laughs> the guy was trying to have a go at, um, at me for saying that Liverpool, um, that Anfield is not a fortress and then points out that they beat us at Anfield. And as is rightly pointed out in the chat, yeah, we were away. Um, you know, he's, he's disputing my comment about Arsenal being a fortress, uh, about Emirates becoming a bit of a fortress lately and then talking about an away game that we lost. Weird. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? Uh, Avic says, uh, thoughts on having Ramsey on loan for six months. Know the club, knows the club, knows the league and is an experienced leader in midfield. Also, Leno showed why Ramsdale is number one up. I don't understand the Leno slander tonight. Like, I I don't think that Leno is the number one. I don't think he's as good as Ramsdale. But I don't really see what he did wrong tonight. Like, what, Avic, I'm interested. Let me know in the comments. What do you think it was that Burn Leno didn't do up to standard tonight? Um, because I'm interested, genuinely, because I don't, I don't know that he was that bad. I don't think that he was that bad. In regards to Aaron Ramsey, I wouldn't take him back. I... I Aaron Ramsey's career has been really weird since he went to Italy. He's like kind of threatened to continue where he left off at Arsenal and, you know, really be an important player for Juve, but not really delivered it. Not helped by the changing of managers, not helped by the footballing philosophy of some of those managers, I would argue, as a follower of Italian football. But I, I, I'm not big on going back to exes unless it's a no-brainer. And I don't think this one is a no-brainer. He's on a massive contract at Juventus and you'd imagine that he'd want something similar um, or, or that we'd have to contribute to a large chunk of his wages. I think that's the only way Juve would agree to let him go out on loan. So, 
Nah, not for me, mate. Um, not for me. But it's it's one of those where our heart is leading us rather than our heads, right? It's a bit like the Jack Wilshere thing. People want to see him come back. I think Mikel Arteta is probably right not to re-sign him. Um, but it's that kind of tugging on the heartstrings, isn't it, that has uh, has led to a lot of people feeling that way. Me, personally, I wouldn't bring back Ramsdale. Uh, Ramsdale, Ramsey. No, um, not at this point. Let's take one more question uh, before we do that. As Afsar says, moon the likes. Yes, please do hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Check out my player ratings on the YouTube short I uploaded just before we went live. Uh, Tom Bacon says, evening, Harry. Would you take Isak as a replacement for Oba, seeing as we were reportedly in for him last summer? Um, yeah, yeah, I like the player. Um, Going to cost a hell of a lot of money now, though. Um, and that is the that is the big thing is it, if Arsenal are going to bring in a striker, I think it's going to be in the summer. Talked about that yes on yesterday's podcast, I think, or the one the day before. And uh, yeah, um, I, I like the player, but I'm just focused on what we're doing right now. I think we can focus on big transfers in the summer. Um, we can talk about some transfers in January with regards to, um, you know, Arsenal. Um, looking to add then to kind of maintain our current position. But yeah, it's um, it's a he's a player I'd like to see. I'd like to see Dusan Vlavic at Arsenal as well. There's a lot of them. I just don't know if we're going to be able to compete uh, for their signatures, given the price tags that is, are going to be set by their selling clubs and also the array of clubs that will be interested in them. Uh, going back to Avic's point about Bern Leno, he, he says, when Sunderland were pressing high, Leno was just kicking long balls. And I think Ramsdale's distribution was missed while playing from the bat today. Fair point. Fair point. And that's what I like to see. Good points. <coughs> Backed up by good arguments. Uh, right. Let's check in where we are on the likes before we jump off. 110. Let's get it to 150. Come on, we can get as close to 150 as possible. We're 40 likes away. There's 333 of you watching us live right now. Get involved. Smash the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Just to quickly summarise then, Arsenal 5, Sunderland 1 in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal. We're through to the final four of the competition. We're delighted. Great to see Eddie Nketiah get a hat-trick. Great to see Nicolas Pepe in that second half in particular playing with a great deal of confidence because he will be needed at some point in this season. Great to see him looking back somewhere close to his best. Good to see Charlie Patino getting an opportunity to make his debut and getting himself on the score sheet. As I say, needs to work on that celebration, though. Uh, Mikel Arteta, I thought, did well to recognise that despite making a lot of changes, um, he needed to pick a strong bench and then called upon Granit Xhaka at a really key time in the game, I thought, when he wanted to just stabilise things in midfield. It led to Arsenal's performance level dramatically increasing. So he managed the game well, I thought. Managed to give players minutes that don't get them necessarily in the Premier League. Managed to get those players firing. And we're through to the last four of a cup competition. What's there not to be happy about? Uh, don't forget to hit the like button. As I say, subscribe to the channel if you're new. And if you wish to become a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. I am going to leave it there. I'm absolutely shattered. I've been on radio, um, followed by the live watch along straight after, followed by this podcast straight after that. I haven't even eaten my dinner yet. It's 20 to 11 at night. I'm knackered. 
I'm going to go and get some shot at. And we'll be back tomorrow with a really busy day of content. I'll be joined at 12.30. That's today for listening on the audio platforms by Mike Stavrou of Metro Sport. And at 4.30 p.m., I'm going to be joined by Football London's Kaya Kainak. And we'll be having a little bit of a chat with him as well. So lots of great content coming your way tomorrow. So uh, you'll forgive me that I'm ducking out a little bit early this evening for some shot eye and some dinner at 11 p.m. Catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Check out Pro Prep, our sponsors, and uh, we'll catch you on, uh, very soon. Mincy my words. Catch you later. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.